Canuck Central in the Kintec studio, Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw. If you missed the first hour of the program, well, we discussed the NHL Draft Combine. Dinner interviews. Who are the Canucks taking to dinner? <laughs> and uh, how the top 10 of the NHL Draft is shaping up, at least from a speculation standpoint, coming out of the NHL Draft Combine. Also, Frank Saravalli joined us, his take on the Draft Combine, how the trade season is starting to kick off, and what it looks like if the Stanley Cup Final is awarded this week. Check that out. Now available on podcast with your favorite podcatcher. Subscribe, leave a review. That way you never miss an edition of Canucks Central. There's definitely uh, something to read into the uh, taking out for dinner conversation. Yeah, certainly. Who are you taking out for dinner? You're drafting that player. 100% you're drafting that player. Not necessarily that player, but one of the players you take out for dinner, <laughs> usually, right? Yes. And, I mean, we've seen in the past the Canucks met with Pedersen many years ago. They met with, like, Haramaki. I mean, you go through the list, right? And it's usually a decent indication of the players they're honing in on. And, yeah, Danielson, Barlow, and Willander, at least based on what we heard throughout the weekend, were the players the Canucks singled out to meet with. And uh, the, the, usually the case when... Um... It's not a player that they took out to dinner. Maybe that player was not expected to drop to whatever selection that Mm -hmm. is in the draft. Uh, Well, it's enough dinner conversation. Let's bring in our next guest. He joins us every Monday. It is Don Taylor. Donnie and Dolly, 10 to noon, check TV. And you can watch it 10 to noon, Monday through Friday with our pal Don Taylor and his pal, Rick Dollywall. Our pal, too. We kind of like Rick most days. Not all the time, though. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> don't tell him i said that though donnie no no, no one's gonna hear him. never, <laughs> no, one's gonna hear him. never. <laughs> no we he, love you he, he can't figure out how to turn on a radio so don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> no i'm serious he can't he can't he has no uh, he doesn't want to um try to learn how to access a podcast so oh, too really? much work for him yeah, yeah. he's very old school rick so he's not uh, he's not adding to the Donnie and Dolly downloads on uh, no. on Apple oh, to, no, no. to move you guys up no. the charts. No, he claims there's too many wires. <laughs> <laughs> Just a podcast. That's amazing. But you know, you know what? You know, for, for all the shortcomings, he's he's terrific at at handing us scoops and the latest information on the Canucks and the players that they're meeting yep. with. So we heard Danielson, we heard Barlow, we heard Willander. Uh, what was Dolly Wall hearing today on Donnie and Dolly? Big. Uh, he heard a lot about Villander, and mm-hmm. uh, that was the guy that he honed in on and, you know, makes sense given his position and, you know, the fact he's right-handed. So that that uh, was the guy that Rick uh, zeroed in on. He thinks he's the guy that, if he's there, that uh, they'd snap him up depending on, you know, if, if someone else falls, which they always do. But, mm-hmm. you know, positional need, that would make a, a lot of sense. One person that I talked to today, Donnie, um comped Tom Willander to Chris Tanev, the player that I think the Canucks have been missing most since uh, <laughs> since he left this city. Well, yeah, the, the fans have missed him, coaches. Uh, Quinn Hughes has missed Chris Tanev. And, and as well as he's played, Quinn Hughes, uh, I can't imagine where he'd be if he still had Chris Tanev. But that's, not, that's nothing against anybody that's played with him. It's just that Tanev just seems so perfect and that was the problem that I had when he signed with Calgary when he left Vancouver is that it wasn't just about Chris Tanev and the Canucks. It was also about, you know, 
Quinn Hughes, arguably their best player. So uh, that, that was a big loss. So if this kid is anything like that and Quinn Hughes is hanging around for a while, then that would be a pretty pretty smart move. One of the big dilemmas uh, about where the Canucks are picking, especially this year's draft, is there are a lot of really talented wingers available. But God knows, Donnie, this organization has a lot of those types of players, right? And they drafted a couple uh, the last few years as well. And that's not to say you can't add good, talented players. But we've had this discussion before with Ole Levy. You know, Matthew Kachuk was there, but the team needed defensemen. You have to value the defense. And, you know, Levy was the pick, and we all know how that worked out. If the Canucks take a defenseman at 11 and there's a Zach Benson, there's a Colby Barlow, there's, you know, let's say, you know, somebody even more talented potentially there and they bypass that player, how much do you think that this market will white knuckle that decision for the next few years? Does it really matter what pick they make? (laughs) (laughs) There's going to be a lot of white knuckles no matter, no matter, you know, what position, how much they weigh, you know, where they're from, anything like that. So, it's going to happen regardless, and I know Jim Rutherford doesn't want to talk about, you know, um, the past and what, what's happened. But yeah, look, Vancouver fans have been through a lot, so you could you could definitely understand that. Um, yeah, Zach Benson would be the in- interesting one because if if he's available, and um, I think there was a I saw a chart today, one of the several mock drafts that had him going 14th or 15th. Man, if he's avail- available, how do you you know? you pass up on him uh, i know he's not the biggest guy in the world but look at where he's from and just seems to be a lot of energy there it would be a popular pick other than the position are you um are you worried about this offseason donnie from the canucks perspective you know like where it's headed the direction the team is going you know pushing trying to pull every lever to get a little bit more cap space and potentially go after something else to add to this team. How do you feel about the direction of the Canucks right now? I'm worried that they won't fix the railings at, at Rogers arena. I think that's, <laughs> that's, that's number one. Maybe, maybe, well, I guess they are, you know, Hey, they can fix that without having any cap space, Donnie. Yeah, really? I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> that's, uh, okay. So let's start there. Of course, like I'll go back to my previous answer. White knuckles, of course. You got to worry about if you're if you're a Canuck fan, who knows what's going to happen? Just that, you know, I'm, I'm just not sure what you know what what if they have cap space or uh, what what direction this group is gonna is gonna go in. But I I, I just want to see them. You know, what I would worry about is them talking and talking, and they have already about creating cap space and not doing that, that, that mm-hmm. would, you know, worry me. So even if they created cap space and, 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 and picked up some uh, players, whatever the case may be, just create that cap space. You've been talking about it for a long time since you got here. I know it hasn't been that long, but I, I, I'd start there. So it would worry me if they didn't. I guess the only wild card here is, Donnie, because we're getting closer and closer, right? I mean, and hey, it's not like we're expecting big trades to happen because we're not the Columbus Blue Jackets, right? It's not, this is not Columbus. We can't expect trades to happen during the Stanley Cup final. But, you know, if, if they don't, you know, start moving, if they don't want to move somebody out by the draft, are we going to start hearing about a buyout again as we get closer to July if that doesn't happen? Yeah, I would, I would imagine so. And there's some, some obvious candidates. But man, just, uh, and I, I don't, I really, I don't really, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the current CBA, and I think there should be one, you know, compliance buyout. I think I think it'd be good for the entertainment value of the league. You know, people make mistakes. Um, 
So, uh, but, but having said that, it's just that when you look at what it costs, like buying out Oliver Ekman Larson, for instance, is just so bad. I think the first year it's $145,000, $148,000, mm-hmm. and then it just gets awful from there. So it's not as simple as that. But I just, I just, I don't like the way the CBA is set up right now and the fact that, you know, you get punished beyond the length of the contract if you buy somebody out like an Oliver Ekman Larson. But I, I, I could see them doing that maybe partly out of frustration. It's like we tried everything else, so what the hell? We're going we're gonna to buy somebody uh, buy somebody out. I just wish there was, a, there, there was a, an avenue to get out of it easier. But it's really, really difficult. Do you think Garland's a player they can get something back for? Or is it just get rid of the salary if you can? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think get something for him. Um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not, maybe railings. I, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> no, that, I'm just, I mean, he's, you know what? He's a national hockey league player, and I have a problem yeah. knocking anybody that's made it, has worked hard enough, to, especially at his size, uh, to get to the national hockey league. I just wonder what other teams are thinking. When, when they watch them, and you know, there's a lot of you know holding on to the puck on, in the perimeter, and I wonder how you know what value that has around, around the National Hockey League. The effort is there; he plays well beyond his size. But uh, I just, I, I just wonder what other teams think of him in terms of you know, um, well, well, first of all, what he produces and the way the way he uh, produces it. And I guess I can't see them getting a whole lot with all due respect to him. Yeah, I'm there with you, Donnie. And one of the things, too, about, you know, I know we, we spoke about and touched on it the last you know, few times, talking about Milan Lucic and, and what they need or whatever, but I keep looking at this roster. I keep hearing about what they say about the type of team they want to have. I listen to what Rick Tockett says about the type of speed yeah. of forechecking they want and the toughness they want, and I keep looking at this roster and saying, it doesn't add up. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I just keep wondering, as much as, you know, we talk about these guys and they have value, I, I just wonder if, if they just find a way to get rid of some players and try to insert some guys that look different? Because I don't see the team they want to be based on what they currently have. Well, I, I, I can't remember a head coach um, glow as much about another team that this team just lost to as Rick Tockett did a few months back when he, and, he, and was prophetic given what's happening in the NHL right now about the Vegas Golden Knights. The Canucks look nothing. I don't know if you guys remember that game, and yeah. he just went on and on, especially about their defense, the size, and their just the, just the ability to well, first of all, play defense and move the puck, and you know just the the machine like quality of their forwards and and the, and the depth and size and yeah, Connor Garland, you know, among others, just wouldn't fit. Just doesn't fit that. So um, to, for them to get rid of somebody like that wouldn't be surprising at all. Yeah, and you think about the final, like all, all due respect to, to Florida. And I mean, nobody expected them to get here. The route that they took, you know, beating Boston, Toronto and Carolina, going through three juggernauts, even though Carolina was a little bit injured by the time they got there. I mean, they just like Vegas has looked another class than Florida in this final, haven't they? Oh, my gosh. Uh, they just look so good. And, and, you know, I think a lot, most people favored them, but, you know, it's just so obvious that they're better. And the thing that, sorry, what, what you just said, Dan, that this is a team, Florida, that knocked off Boston really in real impressive, stunning fashion, and then kind of breezed through Toronto and, and, and Carolina. And Vegas is making them look really, really ordinary and 
uh, Vegas doesn't uh, Vegas plays smart hockey doesn't play into their games like you know, the, they're trying to antagonize them and Vegas just has nothing to do with it so there's talent there there's real on ice intelligence obviously no matter what the Bruins think of them pretty good coaching from from Cassidy there's just a whole lot there it's just really really impressive and you know, six years in, they're going to be Stanley Cup champions. That's going to be tough for a lot of people to take in Vancouver. Uh, I think, so. I mean, not only here, I think, I mean, any team that hasn't won a Stanley Cup for, for decades probably oh, looks at that God. and says, what's what's going on? <laughs> You know, and yeah. I, I, I get that it's good for the league and, and whatever, and I know those the fans there are happy. Like, I don't think it hurts the league in any sense, but it certainly leaves a, a bad taste in people's mouths. But I don't think it turns people off from the sport in that a- aspect. I know it's good for the league overall, but you're right. I think if you if you pull uh, hockey fans around the league, I bet you most are, are cheering against the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, and, and a little easier to take this time around. I think we talked about this last week versus – you know, year one when they yeah. made, made it to the Stanley Cup final, that was ridiculous. But it's not just Vancouver; it's it's Winnipeg, it's Buffalo. It, it, it definitely is Vancouver. It's it's just really really tough to take. But you know, look, they were given a really good head start by the National Hockey League, and that's what happens when you pay. You know, in their case, half a billion dollars. Uh, you know, under the under the new rules for expansion teams, uh, they were really really smart about it. Uh, they made some I'm sure They'd love to have Nick Suzuki back, right? They've made some mistakes. Uh, they've had some uh, on ice adversity, but nothing like the Canucks. Not, not 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 even close. I think the Canucks, just given all the pain they've been through, deserve you know a Stanley Cup more than Vegas. But it's hard to argue. You know, it's not like they kept that first team, Vegas. They they've made some moves, some controversial moves, some moves that didn't work out. And they've been smart about it, and they have great support down there. It's it, it, it's work, so that's that's the reality. Nobody broke any rules. They didn't break any rules, and they're going to get themselves a Stanley Cup, and that's the way it goes. Well, and, and judging by the way uh, people are are seeing the officiating in this series, there's there's maybe um, well, let's say uh, Panthers fans feel similar to Canucks fans and how the officiating has gone uh, in this series to what happened in, in 2011. Uh, Gary Bettman's Golden Knights, Gary Bettman's Bruins. Yeah. You know, we hear a lot of those same. Uh, yeah comparables but from the league perspective nhl is you know again a, a stanley cup final it seems like this is every year where officiating is is a major storyline and it, it comes down to the thing we talk about every year donnie the gray line of what is a penalty and, and what isn't when it comes to especially the latter stages of the stanley cup finals yeah and that you know the forsling penalty was just it was it was almost yeah. like it was funny almost. It was like, what? You know, like, and, and you know, it all it all worked out for Florida. <clears throat> they won, they managed to win that game, but it was like, man, that is just so inconsistent. And so yep. that's tough to take. And I, a lot of it is because it's under a microscope and it's one series, two teams left, so it's a little easier to, to focus on. But I'm sure they, they'd like more consistency. But I, I don't see it changing as much as it did in the Boston Vancouver series, you know, after the Rome hit, it just seemed like we went back to 1978, not even the eighties, you know, it was, it seems, <laughs> it seemed, you know, more vicious than anything in the eighties. So there was all that hate. So it's, it, I don't think it's been great by any means. And again, I have a hard time knocking anybody who makes the national hockey league, including uh, officials, but it, it, it does seem inconsistent, but nothing like, 
2011 where it just seemed like the rule book was what was altered in the matter of a second yeah no doubt i mean it's it's one of those at least the consistency or maybe just as inconsistent uh, inconsistent as a regular season so maybe they didn't change it too much but but donnie before yeah. we let you go we, we do have to yeah. ask you about the canadian uh, canadian open because i mean oh. that was I mean, not only was the finish fantastic watching Nick Taylor win, seeing Adam Hadwin get blown up and watching his wife <laughs> chirp him on Twitter about it. I mean, it just couldn't. It ended up being not only was it great in terms of how the how it all played out, but the way it ended with all that and all you know the uh, the fun around it. It was maybe the most fun ending I can remember to a golf event in many years. <laughs> Mike, you have to talk to Adam Hadwin about that. But, uh... <laughs> I mean, you know what? It was such a Canadian thing because yeah. she apologized to the guy. I <laughs> you know, and, and she, sorry. Jessica, yeah. his wife, brought yeah. you know brought that. I'm like, oh my god, he's being so Canadian right now. He's actually apologizing uh, to the guy for <laughs> getting tackled. Anyway, you know, and I think that you know, and look, I you brag a lot. We all do about being Canadian, what we're like, and all that. But I showed that. You know that to my wife, she she hadn't seen it. She, I showed it to my wife this morning. She laughed her head off. We're all laughing at it. <laughs> like I think in the states it would be. And I, again, you know, love our American cousins, no question right. about it. But there'd be lawsuits flying <laughs> left and right, and we're yeah. all laughing about it. Like, oh man, that's pretty funny. Poor Adam, you know, he, you know, he, they're gonna bug him about this forever. And he's laughing about it. Whereas down there, it's like there'd be a judge involved in about three seconds. So it was it was pretty funny. Yeah, and the USGA made sure he had a bib in his locker today as he showed up for the U.S. <laughs> Open this week. So yeah, yeah. Uh, he's not he's not getting tackled when he's on the seventh hole at the L.A. Country Club on Thursday. Oh, oh man, it was it was it was, uh, it was something else. But again, the the, I, the jokes are already uh, flying. And you know, I look in part, large part, because he didn't get hurt. I mean, yeah. he could have yeah. got, the guy was good. I, don't, I still don't know much about him. Maybe you guys have had an update. I'm not sure, but he must have played football or rugby. It was pretty yeah. impressive. Uh, and and uh, final thought on the Canadian Open. The only thing to make it better, we need a Western Canadian Open too because uh, the yeah. other Canadian Open just uh, only staying in Ontario and Quebec. <laughs> yeah, well, well I, I know you're from Ontario, Dan, but look, I, I, just, I, I, I tweeted this out, I believe, on Thursday or Friday. What was Thursday yeah. or Friday? And just thought, we're just not, and I know it's been you know at Shaughnessy, but there's so many beautiful courses. Just once, I'd like to see like a mountain, yeah. you know, or yeah. like maybe some water, like not just a pond, but actual lake or ocean, or just the, the, the. We have like some breathtaking courses in this in this great country of ours, and I just like to see one that made you think that could only be in Canada. Just just once, just try it. And I know logistically it makes it from a corporate point of view. Well, it makes the most sense to be in Toronto, but just I just like to see it uh, uh, once. And I know it was at Shaughnessy, but uh, I just uh, just something real majestic, something so obviously Canadian would would be nice. Yeah, show off the beauty of our country. Yeah. Uh, Donnie, always appreciate it. Talk soon. Good stuff. Always fun, guys. Thanks so much. Uh, there he is. Don Taylor joins us every Monday. Donnie and Dolly, ten to noon on Check TV. Uh, what a finish it was for Nick Taylor. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, um, it was, you know, we always talk about, um, you know, Canadians winning that tournament or whatever, but then you see him in contention. You just don't think it's going to happen, right? Like, part yeah. of me, I was I was rooting for it, but I was like, 
man, is it actually going to happen? It almost seems like it's too good. Like something's going to happen. It's not going to happen. And then when he did, I'm like, he actually did it. You know, I, I just kept like expecting it not to happen just because it just doesn't happen apparently winning the Canadian <laughs> Open. <laughs> so many moments, right? It's like, oh, he, he can miss this pot or, yeah. you know, he bogeyed 16 and then he has to birdie out to get to 17 under and get the clubhouse lead. Then uh, Fleetwood forces a playoff anyways. I mean, it was the, the drama of it all. Uh, going into the the Canadian Open, it was um, you know all about live golf and, and the merger and and you know what the, by the end of the weekend uh, the golf stole the show. So I think yeah. that's uh, not just from a, a Canadian standpoint, but like you know golf fans everywhere were talking about uh, the Canadian Open and the incredible finish, the the playoff that was. It, it was it finally had a big moment for the Canadian open over the last couple of years. That wasn't, Oh my God, live golf is taking over the world. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you know, obviously that tackle, we joke about it, but th that's, that's, <laughs> that's something that's a, that's a viral clip, right? I mean, that, that's something oh, that was played across the world on, you know, as a little kickers and fun things like that. Even people that only care about golf saw that clip and that for it to be a Canadian and a Canadian, <laughs> Canadian Open clip. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad that was the case for it or whatever. But how about this question from uh, uh, Tyler on Twitter? Who had the better finish, Nick Taylor or the security guard? Jokes per 60. <laughs> I'm still saying uh, Nick Taylor. You, you make that uh, putt 100 times. You're not making it ever again. Yeah. 72 feet. Unreal. Uh, can, anybody feet. can... Uh, nail a Goldberg-esque <laughs> tackle like that. Spear! Spear! could hear Jim Ross in the background. It's incredible. <laughs> uh, all right. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. You are listening to Canuck Central.